If you've been sort of uh, watching Facebook, unfortunately, I've not been able to get everything onto the website, so you've missed quite a few if you've not been able to listen. But I, I, last Sunday, I asked a question which um, was, answering, was trying to answer the question, was Jesus a lunatic? Was he a genius? Or was he what he says he was, the Son of God? And we kind of looked at um, reasons for and against all of those three things and the conclusion that all of the world came to because of my teaching was that he is indeed the son of God <laughs> and some of some of the bible verses that kind of I quoted last week uh, are going to lead us into where we're going this week so John 1:14 said the word was made flesh the word being God it says that the word was in the beginning with God and the word was God and then it says, the word became flesh, dwelt amongst us, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's saying that God, who was Jesus and the Holy Spirit in the beginning, came and became flesh. A similar thing is said in Philippians 2, verses 5 to 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, didn't think equality with God was something to be grasped at, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death of the cross. So what is the Son of God doing dying on a cross? That's what today's sermon or message is going to be about we established last week he's not a lunatic he's not a genius although I think he was definitely a genius but he was the son of God and what was his purpose then to die on a cross for us not something that was accepted by anyone at that time particularly religious people would see that as a, a vile curse to have been put on a cross so it, it wasn't he wasn't doing that like as some kind of film presents him as this is the great victory, you know, like it, it was not that around the time that he lived. But Jesus' death and resurrection were to put right the separation of humanity from God. That's why he died on the cross. And the way he did this, he dealt with something that separates humanity from God because there's something that does that you if you if you think you believe in God or you're somebody who say you don't believe in God there's a reason for that it's, it's not just natural that we you know feel and think the way we do somebody might have told us this is how to think somebody might have told us this is what they believe but there's something behind all that that prevents us from knowing him if you've been listening on a Sunday evening, you'll know I've been doing a little bit of a Bible study through the whole of the Bible. I've been taking every individual book and trying to give a, just a brief outline. But one of the things that I was saying, how I began that was, if ever you're going to pick your Bible up to read it, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, it's really important to understand what this Bible is trying to do. Because this is no ordinary book. It has, I guess, around about three or four 
what we call major themes in it. One of the themes is this book tells us about humanity itself. How humanity began, how we became families, how we became nations. It all can be followed through this. But most importantly, it showed us how humanity found itself separated from God. And so it begins to tell us stories upon stories of what humanity's journey of getting further and further away from God actually looks like. And that anyone who did draw near to him, how that impacted their life. That's what you see when you read this. But there's also another theme that goes through, and this is what we call as Christians reconciliation. It's also the story of God's plan of how to bring humanity back to himself, to rejoin us, to reconnect us to him. So that's also another theme that goes through. But there's one other thing that I've, I've said on, often on a Sunday evening is this is not an ordinary book. By that I mean it doesn't only talk about ordinary things, natural things. In this book, you read about not only the scene realm, things that are happening in the stories, you can see what's happening, but it also talks about the unseen realm. Well, clearly that's got to be the case because it talks about God and you can't see him. But the unseen realm that is revealed in this book is very much connected to what happened on the cross. You see, you can look at the cross and think, well, yes, somebody got accused, somebody got punished, somebody died. That's, that's all natural. We can see what's going on. But there was something going on in the unseen realm at that time, which really is what this message is about today. So bear with me as we go through a few scriptures. I'll just move that over there so I can do this. Romans chapter 5 verse 12 says, Wherefore, as by one man's sin, or as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death is passed upon all men, for all have sinned. That verse is telling us through one man, sin entered the world for everybody. And that man is Adam. But it says the same thing in Romans 5, 19 to 20. It says, for as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one many shall be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offence might abound. But where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. So after Adam, all are born with what the Bible calls and what we as Christians call the sin nature. Now, I know that normally at this point, it's down to preachers to tell everybody what sin is and what your sins are and what you should be ashamed of and what you should repent of. I'm not going there. That's, that's, you know, that's not what I really think the Bible wants us to understand by sin nature. So I'm going to tell you, and probably many Christians who might be watching this this morning, I'm going to tell you how the Bible actually tells us what the problem is with the sin nature. So watch this because it's really interesting. Hebrews 12 verse 14 says this, follow peace with all men and holiness. Without holiness 
No one can see the Lord. It's impossible for us to get near to God, to see God, to know God, to understand Him, because we don't have holiness. Our sin nature is not holiness. Another word that they use for holiness in the Bible is to be clean or unclean, to be set apart or to be unconsecrated. They're big words, but basically what I'm saying is the sin nature that's within us means that we are not spotless. It means that we are not clean of thought, clean of mind, clean of behavior. It doesn't matter the level of it. The point is, the sin nature is not holy. And so what the problem the Bible says to us is, this humanity that was once connected to God has been separated. And what keeps us separated is that we can't be holy. And we can't be holy in that old nature. It's not possible. It's unclean, as it were. So the nature of Adam is our nature. A blemish so deep, so ingrained, that it makes it impossible for us to see God. A commentary put it like this. I was reading a commentary. It says, without holiness in them, they cannot enjoy him who is holiness itself. That's one effect that that sin nature has. We can't be holy. And because we can't be holy, we can't see him. We're separated from him. But there's another thing that that sin nature causes us a massive problem with. Matthew 23, sorry, 22, verses 37 to 39 says, And you'll know this, many of you. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You will love your neighbor as yourself. So our old nature is unclean. It cannot be holy. And it's that lack of holiness that prevents us from seeing him. But there's something else about that nature. It can't love God. That old nature can't love God. Now let me explain it to you this way. I remember courting. I don't know whether they use that word anymore. The old people said yes. I don't know about the young people, whether you'd use that word anymore. But anyway, so Yvonne and and I, we we started going out when she was only 13, 14 years old, and I was only 17 years old. We were kids, like, you know, going out. But I remember I dreamed, I planned, I dressed, I washed. Yes, teenager, washing, you know it's real, it must be love. Everything I did was with her in mind. I just wanted to be with her, talk to her, hold her. Everything I did was with her in mind. That's what the commandment is. It's to love God. Do you know that the commandment is to love God and not some act of attending church or singing some worship or giving of tithes or offerings, but to live with him in mind and to desire everything about him. Now, that old nature cannot do that. So we have a nature within us that makes it impossible for us to see him and it makes it impossible for us to love him the way we were designed to love him. John, uh, one of the uh, apostles of Jesus said this, we love him because he first loved us. If you've got that old nature, which everyone has who came from Adam, 
So we've got blemish. We're unclean, if you want to use that word. We can't see him. And we can't love him because we need something to break into us that changes that. So that's what this morning, and that's what the cross was about. So what happened at the cross? Christians believe that when we die, it's only our body that ceases to exist. Is that that truth? That's how we think, you know. We're going to die, but our spirit will go and be with the Lord and we'll, be, we'll live forever. You know, that's great. Isn't it strange that, that, that we, we need to apply that same thing to Jesus dying on the cross, you know. It's only his body that died. It says, into your hand I commit my spirit. But his body died. And there's something important about that. You see, the thing that separates us and God, we've always called it sin. And, and I'm going to keep... Keep that as, as its label. I've explained something about the sin nature. That's, that's what a, how I think you understand it better. But let's just use that word just for a moment. Sin. Sin happened. You know, I said the Bible's about two realms, an unseen realm and a seen realm. Sin happened in the unseen realm before it happened in the seen realm. The devil, he wanted the praise and the worship that God was getting. And so he rebelled, he was jealous, he was full of pride and he fell from heaven. He was cast out of heaven and took a third of the angels with him. That might sound really weird to anybody who's kind of not a Christian watching this. But hey, that's, that's what happened in, because of the effects of sin there. Then we know that Adam and Eve were in the garden and this one who fell in heaven is in the garden with them. And he tempts them with the same pride, the same rebellion, the same... And they too take a step away from God. So the reason that what happened was sin was in the spiritual realm, but then it came into the physical realm and it affected human beings. Do you know there was no sickness before this? There was no death before this? There was no pain before this? All of that has come as a result of sin coming into the natural realm. So for God to take sin out of the natural realm He had to do something about it, but he had to do it as a human. That's why he came. But let me say more about that in a moment. Ezekiel 18 verse 20 says, The soul that sins shall die. So there's not anyone on the planet who can turn around and say, I've never done anything wrong. Sin entered and we're all born with this nature. We can't be holy and we can't love God to know him. Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So now we come to it. Why did Jesus die? Romans 5 verse 8. But God commended his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners... So anybody who's watching this who's not a Christian, this is, this is absolutely for you. It was for me. It was for all of us. While we were sinners, this activity was taking place on our behalf. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, I delivered unto you first of all that which was I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So this sin nature, this sin was what Jesus went to the cross for, is what we're being told. 
He went to deal with that which separates us from him, that stops us from seeing him, that stops us from loving him. Somehow he went to deal with that issue on the cross. There are some people who will think that if you keep all the commandments, that that's enough. But I want you to know something, that commandments, the Ten Commandments and the many more that were given, were given to show us what was wrong with us. Were given to show us that we are at fault. It was not given that if we keep all these things, God accepts us. It was given to show us that we need a saviour. It was given to show us that no matter how hard we try, our nature cannot do it. So Jesus comes along and you'd think he'd be turning around and saying, well look, let me make it a little bit easier for you. Because he's coming to bring the gospel of grace, isn't he? But what does Jesus do? He says, even if you think it in your minds, that's far worse. Who's never had a bad thought? And then he goes to this one. And I think this is the, the best of them all. He says, by the way, love your enemies. Love those, those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. And you're kind of going, uh, hang on Jesus, you're making it a lot harder than the ten that were on there. Why? Because he's trying to do what the Ten Commandments came to do. He's trying to say to us, this is what's keeping you from me. And you cannot get yourselves free from it. But I have come that you might have life. I have come to deal with that which separates you from me. So what Jesus did was make the access to holiness almost impossible by what he said. But his death was our death. That might be a strange thing to hear. But Jesus, we sang in one of my songs about um, that he was the lamb for the whole human race. The Old Testament, they, Jesus gave some, or God gave some instructions to them that every year they should bring a lamb and sacrifice it and that the, the, it should be a perfect lamb, a pure lamb, perfect with no blemish. And that if they brought that lamb and, and, and its blood was shed and they offered it to God, that God would forgive for the, for the year. He would forgive or cover their sins for a year. When Jesus comes and he's 30 years old and he's being baptised by John the Baptist, or he's about to be, as he approaches, John the Baptist turns around and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's why he came. To do something with that, about that which separates us from God. That nature, that sin nature that cannot be holy, he came to deal with it. That sin nature that cannot love God the way we were meant to, he came to deal with it. It's in his flesh, in his body on the cross, not his spirit. It's in his flesh, in his body on the cross. That sin entered into Jesus that day for us. Adam died in Christ that day. Do you know we say that everybody's sin nature comes from Adam. Well, Adam died that day with Christ. For the reason being that he had a plan. And his plan was there'd be a new nature that we could have. A nature that's not of our making, not of our doing, not of our effort, not of our obe obeying a set of rules, 
but he wanted to give us as a free gift a new nature. I've explained what the old nature was like, that we can't love God, we can't see God. But he came through his death and then subsequent resurrection to give us a new nature. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That, that simply means anybody who is a Christian who's in this room today, anybody who's listening to this who is a Christian, you have not done one thing to make yourself righteous. Christ did something for us this day on the cross in his death and his resurrection that gave us free access to what the Bible calls a new nature. It was a gift to us. We never earned it. We never deserved it. We're not born in a family for it. It's not something that a particular country or a particular religion has access to above others. Every human being on the planet, this was the death on the cross, was to give you access to a new nature. One that was now holy. Righteous is what it calls it there. Here's where the problem is, that a lot of people who look at Christians think, well, if that's righteous, if that's holy, I don't want it. Because that's true. Just because we've become a Christian doesn't mean we've not got those rev residues of that old mindset, that old way of thinking, that old way of being. But what we've been given is, a, is a, now a nature that can access God. Now a nature that can know God. Now a nature that can love God. And it's growing inside us. It's maturing inside us. So how do you become righteous, clean or holy? It's really quite simple. It's this, by faith alone in Jesus. That he took our place. What did it say in Ezekiel? The soul that sins shall die. So first we have to have faith that I should die for my sins, but Jesus died in my place. That's the first piece of faith I should have. That Jesus' death that we're looking at this weekend was him dying in my place. He's my substitute. He took my place. My faith has to believe that. That I haven't got to pay for it now. My faith is he did that for me. And the second is that he took all of our sin away. It's not something we're judged for. He dealt with it on the cross. But here's how you do that. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That word saved is, is a Greek word that means made whole. It simply means this. If you believe Jesus died for you, God raised him from the dead. If you believe that, you will have a nature born within you that, that is holy. You might still be able to do things that aren't good and right, but you now have an access to the Father because he's given you a nature that can reach him. It's the worst thing in the world is to find you're doing something wrong and there's no escape. But he has put something within us that now can access him. No matter how far we fall, we can access him because we have a new nature. It means to be made whole. It means to be holy. 
and another way of saying it is this, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. Colossians 3 says a similar thing. Verse 10. And I've put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created him. So there's an old nature, an old man, if you want to call it that. But then when we believe in Jesus, we have a new nature, a new man. And we begin to clothe ourselves in that. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is of uh, some twins called Jacob. And I'm a twin, so I kind of always like these stories. Um, Jacob and Esau. And Jacob was quite, how can you say, he was quite fair and, you know, office type chap. You know what I mean? (laughs) And Esau was more like the, you know, the farmer out there. You got a bit rugged, you know, that sort of thing. And, and for some reason, yeah, Esau's very hairy and Jacob's like, you know, he's been down the salon, whatever, I don't know. But <laughs> chalk and cheese, you know, well, yeah, I'm looking around here and there's quite a lot of you who have gone from Jacob to Esau over the last few months. But anyway, <laughs> it's true, uh, unfortunately. But, but um, when, when people got... Uh, when, when fathers got really old in the Old Testament and it was time for them to sort of die or pass away, they would give to their children um, a blessing and the blessing would be all that they own and everything. But when you got twins, had you, I, they didn't used to spread, spread it out um, 50-50. The eldest son always had two, two-thirds and the youngest would have one-third. So Jacob, being his name means supplanter or deceiver, he thought, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pretend to be my brother. Remember how different they are, right? So he goes on and finds some of this Esau cologne that, you know, you can buy, and he puts that on to smell like his brother. He, he gets goat skin and puts that on around his neck to be hairy, and I'm thinking, his brother must have been a rough fellow. I'm telling you, if, if his dad thinks that's how his brother felt... but. He got, but his dad, and the reason I'm saying this is that his dad was, was nearly blind. So he goes in pretending to be his brother. Jacob is pretending to be Esau. And what happens? The father says, well, you smell like him and you've got hair like him. You must be him. So he blesses Jacob with the double portion. He gets in. This is what has happened to you and me. We're not any reason for God to bless us at all. None of us. Nobody here has any reason for God to bless us. But we put our trust in his son. And we've said, Father, we believe your son did that for us. And, and when, the minute you do that, you clothe yourself with the elder son, Jesus. And suddenly we look like him to God. We sound like him to God. We smell like him to God. And he begins to pour out his love upon us. That's what, that's what is going on here. That is what putting your faith in Jesus is. It's like underneath all that, we're still the scoundrel, you know. <laughs> but we've put our faith, we're clothing ourselves. We've not become brilliant, perfect, holy people. We've clothed ourselves with the holiness that he's given us. That's a free gift because of his love for us. 
Last couple of things I'd like to say to you. I've gone on a bit longer this morning because we sang as well. So I hope you enjoyed the songs, by the way. 1 Corinthians 15 says this, As is the earthly, so, are all, or so also are those that are earthly. As is the heavenly, such are they that are heavenly. As we've borne the image of the earthly man, Adam, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus. It's absolutely a wonderful gospel. It's a wonderful thing that Jesus did for us. Jesus rose from the dead, leaving sin and its nature dead in his old body. But he raised with a new body, a new nature, which he freely gives to all who will believe in him. If the nature of Adam can affect us, then the nature of the second Adam, Jesus, can also affect us. He was, Jesus was the first of a new race and that will affect all who put their trust in him. As we put our faith in his death and his resurrection, we will see our sin with him on the cross. My last verse is this, 1 Peter 2, 24, well, two verses and 25. Who in his own body bore our sins on the cross, that we being dead to sins should live unto righteousness. By his stripes you were healed. For we were a sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of our souls. Humanity has finally found its way back to dad. Finally found a way back to the father. And it was through Jesus' death and resurrection. Thank you this morning for joining with us at this Easter time where we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. God bless you. If you want to know more, message me. That will be absolutely fine. Thank you. Take care. God bless you all. Bye-bye.